Hello and welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast. We are the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today we have got a very earthical, mother-earthy, super-earth episode if you will. That was really dumb, but fuck it. Uh, Earth Day is coming up on Monday the 22nd, and this is coming out about a week or just a week before that, and so we wanted to give you a very environmentally friendly episode. We are going to break down the 1992 film Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest. We're going to review the 90s cartoon Captain Planet and the Planeteers, and then we are going to do a fan casting of Fern Gully as if it was a live-action movie being made today. And I think some people, even John, you were like, "Why the fuck aren't we just uh, recasting Captain Planet?" Because that maybe maybe that seems a little <laughs> bit might be a little bit more feasible. But there's a lot of kids into in it, and it's like, "Oh my god, those are the kids are the hardest to cast." <laughs> so that's true. Also, I think Fern Gully is just a little bit more unique for a live action film, uh, and I don't think people have really recast that all that much. So I was like, you know what? I'll do Fern Gully. If we we can we always come back to Captain Planet, cast that later when we're trying to think of ideas that we haven't done before. So, how about that? Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm fine with it. Unless you count Avatar as being the live-action Fern Gully. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> pretty close. <laughs> but, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm excited to do a live-action Fern Gully, that's for sure. Uh, as I mentioned, this film came out in 1992. That's got to be a good year, John. What else happened in 1992? Yeah, uh, we've talked about 1992 a couple times. The movie Fern Gully came out on April 10th, 1992. The Billboard Top 100 single of that week was Save the Best for Last by Vanessa Williams. But now we're standing face to face. Pretty song. Yeah, I kind of remember that one. We talked a little bit about Vanessa when we talked about Eraser. Well, when we talked about our top 10 Arnold movies. Yes. Because uh, she's in it. She's very well known as being an actress. Um, I believe she was also in, uh, if I'm not mistaken, she was in Kill Bill, wasn't she? No, I don't think that was Vanessa Williams. That was... Um Oh, that was Vivica A. Fox. Yeah, that's right, Vivica A. Fox. Yeah, that was it. Well, I'm stupid. <laughs> well, just moving on past that. Moving on past uh, that. Yeah, what else happened in 92? There's got to be something else. Uh, yeah, just a couple of other interesting things that happened that year. Uh, we've already kind of talked about uh, movies and stuff in other episodes. Uh, the highest scoring college basketball game happened in 1992. Adam, do you want to take a guess? I'll tell you who it was between. It was between Troy State and... DeVry University. Yes, you heard that right. Oh, DeVry. Oh, my God. I remember DeVry. Uh, I was also kind of a dick, and I remember making fun of DeVry a lot. <laughs> Do you want to take a guess what the score was? <sighs> Not much defense, obviously, was played. I'm going to guess like 164 to 160. That's that's pretty high. That's probably way too high. <laughs> Troy State defeated DeVry University 258 oh, to 141. Wow, that is, uh, wow. You don't think you would have enough time to play that, you know, to score that many points? I know. In the game. I mean, that's pretty much just immediately getting the ball over, scoring, turning around, immediately getting. Yeah. Either that or they had some solid three point hit. Or, yeah. You know, three yeah, point shooters. Just, 
It's like they were uh, playing NBA Jam and they were just constantly on fire, you know, hitting those <laughs> the fire swooshes. Yeah, probably that's probably what was happening. Yep. 1992 was a good year for a man named Galileo. Do you know why? <laughs> he was he risen from the dead and he gave us some new interesting things about the stars. No, 1992 was uh, when the Catholic Church finally admitted that he was right. Okay. Almost 350 years after he'd been condemned. Way to go, Galileo. <laughs> <laughs> Finally getting getting that redemption. It, yeah, the Catholic Church takes a while before they'll uh, concede to anything, yep. obviously. All right, that was a couple of interesting things from 1992. All right. We, we are going to get our hippie on, and we're going to become one with Mother Earth and break down Ferngully. Ferngully, 1992. This film was directed by Bill Croyer. Uh, this was Bill Croyer's only feature that he has a directing credit for. Um, he's kind of much more of an animator and visual effects artist, and then he became a professor of animation and VFX. And did you know, John, that I actually worked with Bill Croyer? I did not. Uh, he was uh, he he worked at the University of Chapman, uh, which or Chapman University, which. It was a place I was employed for a little while. Uh, and I do have to say, not a fan of Bill Croyer. <laughs> he's, <laughs> oh, no. He's, he's a bit of a dick. Um, honestly, oh, no. he's, a, he's a bit of a bully to his coworkers. And he's also a little too intimidating to the students uh, from what I've seen. So I don't mean to throw him under the bus, but I'm not a fan. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. I don't think he listens to this podcast. <laughs> but I don't think any of the, my old coworkers uh, listen to this podcast, luckily. Uh, but <laughs> I'm just saying, don't love the guy. But we'll see if that shines through, uh, if I like his movie making or not. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Uh, music in this film, uh, well, the original score was done by Alan Silvestri. We've talked about Alan Silvestri on multiple episodes. Yep. Uh, he's done Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Flight of the Navigator, some real ones, some better ones, things like <laughs> Back to the Future, The Abyss, Predator. Uh, he did the music for Sidekicks, Forrest Gump, Eraser, the first Captain America movie, the first Avengers movie, and then also Infinity War, which I think Infinity War has a very um, underrated score. I, I've yep. watched it multiple times and just rewatching it, I'm just like, that score is absolutely killer. Yeah. Uh, he's he's going to be doing Endgame, you know, that comes out soon. Yep. Uh, and then probably his most important film, he did the music for Mac and Me as well. <laughs> so, I'm excited to eventually get to that one. Uh, I'm sure it'll be a little bit a little bit of time before we do, but <laughs> I just remember that movie being ridiculous. I seem to remember uh, there was a running joke on Conan O'Brien's show mm-hmm. where every time Paul Rudd came on and they threw to a clip, they used the same clip, and it was the clip of the kid from Mac and Me going over the cliff oh. <laughs> in a wheelchair. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Okay, <laughs> nice. Uh, I love like old school Conan. Like he was, he did hilarious stuff. Yeah, uh, I haven't really watched much of his newer things, but uh, back in the day, old school Conan was was fantastic. Yeah. All right, uh, Fern Gully stars Tim Curry as Hexus. New orders, boys. You're going to Fern Gully, and I want you there by morning. Uh, who we know Tim Curry from Rocky Horror Picture Show, Clue. Lots of stuff. Samantha Mathis does the voice of Krista. Pips, you won't believe what I found. 
Isn't he amazing? Uh, we probably recognize her best from American Psycho. She's kind of like the, I don't know, the hoity-toity blonde in that movie. Uh, she was also in Broken Arrow. In Broken Arrow, along with uh, Christian Slater, who Christian Slater plays Pips in this film. Where you been? I've been looking all over for you. You should probably know Christian Slater from Heather's True Romance, Robin Hood. We talked about him in Wizard. Yep. The Wizard used in that one. Jonathan Ward plays Zack, the uh, human character. Should we be charging admission for this? The main human character. He was in Steel Magnolias. And uh, another little fun thing, he was the older brother in Mac and Me. <laughs> so we oh, got nice. multiple Mac and Me ties <laughs> with this film. <laughs> so this is this is means quality yep. for Fern, Fern Gully. And then, obviously, Robin Williams does the voice of Batty. Hello, I'm a nocturnal placental flying mammal. A member of the family of Pterodidae, or Pterodidnae. <laughs> Can't tell. I'm a bat. <laughs> uh, this was Robin Williams's first feature yeah. uh, animated voice. So he did others like some shorts, and then obviously the big one for him was Aladdin, which did come out in 1992, but it came out about seven months after this one. Yeah. Uh, and so Batty was like his first big animated uh, feature voice. So. Yeah. And it, you get, I mean, it's he's it's very Robin Williams, obviously. Yes. The film is set in Australia, which I had really no idea. I didn't remember that at all. When I was a kid, for some reason, it just didn't really click. I mean, maybe partly because the voices didn't have accents. Yes. They were very Americanized accents at all. None of them do. Yeah. But, I mean, from the animals, like you see a cassowary, you see a duck-billed platypus at some point. Right. Uh, so they're, they're definitely distinctive. You see, I think, a, even yeah, a kangaroo. Uh, so they're very distinctive Australian animals. But um, Well, it's because it was animated in Australia. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it was a, a dual, uh, you know, production team, you know, the... Uh, probably like a producing team in America and then the animation in Australia. So the animation team actually went out to the rainforest in Australia to draw. And that's mm. the, that's why the rainforest looks so much like Australia because it is. It works well. I just didn't realize I did, completely didn't realize that. And also, I don't like how no, none of them have Australian accents. Like, why? I, I never really got the sense that it's set in Australia. Well, of course it's set in Australia, John. I just told you that there's all those animals in I there. I know, but <laughs> th they don't exclusively say that. They don't say it, but it's obvious. I'm, I'm an adult, and I'm in smart now, <laughs> and I have a brain, and my brain is telling me with all those animals, it's obviously set in Australia. So why don't they have accents? Sometimes I wonder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, what are you wondering about? Exactly. All right, moving on. Uh, uh, moving on. Uh, this film was adapted from a book uh, of the same name by Diana Young. She hasn't really done any other books that I know of, but I just thought it was interesting. I didn't know that there was a, a book adaptation uh, that kind of came out in conjunction with the film. We start the movie off uh, in with some cave paintings, and there's a narration. The narration is by our fairy Magi, Magi, Magi Luna. We learn about this evil, you know, spirit of destruction named Hexus, uh, who was all about destroying of the forest. Basically, he got trapped up in this magical tree by Magi, and Magi's telling this, you know, younger female fairy Krista all about it, who's not really listening, and then she's kind of like in a rush. She heads out. I do want to say we get, you know, some good music and a good song going on right away. Like, you know, as she, as Krista's flying around, I think it's kind of cool. She's saying hi to like a few characters like Pips and, and some animals and stuff. It's just cute. When the sleepy planet comes alive And I wake up in the warm sunlight There's a simple harmony to life A magic thing And I walk among the flowers and trees It's a magic thing And I feel the earth beneath my feet It's a magic thing And I 
And that song was called uh, Life is a Magic Thing, and it's actually written by Thomas Dolby. Oh. If you didn't know that. So yeah, he wrote uh, some of the original songs in this film, uh, which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, so Krista ends up flying up past like the forest canopy, and you know the, some of these other fairies are like freaking out because she is not supposed to. Um, it's not safe up there. Uh, she sees like some black smoke, and obviously it's not safe because we see this hawk almost eat her. Mm-hmm. Uh, it comes down and almost like tears her to shreds, uh, and then and then it catches her, and that's the end of the movie, and it te- eats her up, and that's that's Ferngully. <laughs> there we go. Don't fly above the forest canopy. That is the lesson of Ferngully. Yep. If you're a fairy in Australia, but no, she <laughs> she gets out of it. But uh, obviously, it just kind of shows us that Chris is a little she, she's a little bit of a rebel. You know, she mm-hmm. she likes doing new things, uh, or trying doing what her doing her own thing, whatever her heart tells her, she's going to do it. And those other fairies that are kind of like riding bugs, and I don't know why they didn't just use their wings. I don't even know if they had wings, but they're riding little beetles instead. Yeah. Uh, did you recognize two of their two of those voices, John? By chance, I did. Uh, I definitely recognize uh, Cheech Marin for sure. Mm-hmm. And then later I did look up and I realized the other one was uh, Tommy Chong. Yeah. So you get Cheech and Chong. Uh, two hippies right there for this hippie movie. That kind of <laughs> made sense to me. Uh, there are some other voice actors, but those are the ones that I definitely picked out right away. It's yeah. just definitely Cheech and Chong. So. Uh, Krista goes and tells Maggie uh, what she saw about this black smoke. And Maggie kind of gives her you know, this lesson about oh, how to help you know, the forest grow and it all takes one seed and you, know, you have to turn away from the forces of destruction to, to do the magic of creation. The one thing I do think is kind of weird, Maggie's not telling Krista really like about the smoke, about the smoke and that kind of stuff. She's, uh, she's, she's, she's not sure yet what's going on or she's just, she doesn't want to tell Krista everything just yet. But, uh, but Krista leaves and Maggie kind of like does this pretty badass Moses parting of the trees yeah, and, uh, and sees the smoke for herself. And she's like, Oh shit, that's Hexus motherfucker. Damn. That's, that's, <laughs> that's actually a, an exact quote that Maggie says. Yes. From the movie. <laughs> but I do that. Maggie's obviously pretty damn powerful. She's just yeah. like, Oh, Hey plants, get the fuck out of the way. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Right now we get Batty who comes in. Uh, he kind of comes in in very Robin Williams, ridiculous fashion, just kind of entering uh, with a lot of noise and a lot of gusto. Um, he's this crazy bat uh, who escaped from a biology lab uh, where humans experimented on him. So we kind of see that, yeah, humans are definitely the bad guys in this film already. Uh, there's so many funny lines and just quick little things that Batty says. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, very, I mean, just very Robin Williams stuff that just like it comes out of nowhere, but it is funny. I, I want to call out like when we first see him, like he's uh, just like sitting on on a tree branch, and then he just all of a sudden just randomly goes, oh. Gravity works. And he just <laughs> falls to the ground. <laughs> it's it is it's such like fantastic animated Robin Williams humor. It works really, really well. Um, we see that he's got like this electric kind of probe thing on his head that kind of shocks him every now and then, uh, which just really en- only ends up enhancing his crazy. It's like he's getting <laughs> uh, radio waves or something, you know, at different yeah. times. To me, I'll definitely always remember this character of Batty um, as one of my favorites of the voice roles that, that Robin Williams did. Yeah. But then what I probably won't remember all that well or love all that much is the rap that he does. We get yeah. the batty rap. <laughs> he, it's basically he tells us all about himself. Yo, the name is Batty. The logic is erratic. Potato in a jacket. 
mammal, but I'm a mammal. All of our cosmetics are non-carcinogenic. Which the rap was also written by Thomas Dolby, in case you're curious. <laughs> it's not that good of a rap. No. No. Honestly, I'm trying to remember. Were there any other like musical numbers in this? The rap was the only one that stuck out in my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, uh, Tone Loke. Tone Loke does one later. Oh yeah, yeah. He's, as the as the lizard. I don't understand the need. And yeah, Tim, for... actually, and Tim Curry. Tim Curry does Toxic Love. Yeah, yeah. There's multiple. There's multiple. Okay, ones. there's multiple ones. I don't know. Maybe I'm just not big on musical cartoons, but okay. Which is stupid. weird. It's weird because a lot of them are like that, including ones I yeah. really like. So. Yeah, I like, don't know. You know, maybe it was Disney. Just, maybe it's just the rap that bothered me. It wasn't a good rap. <laughs> it no. just—it wasn't a good rap. But we just kind of get some of his backstory, and really that he is afraid of humans. He does not like humans, uh, and that's kind of the gist of Batty, which I think is valid. <laughs> we are evil. Yeah, uh, that's for damn sure. One thing I thought was funny, just another kind of good humorous line from Robin Williams. And he's, he's talking about humans. And of course the fairies are like, oh shit, do humans even exist? Uh, we don't think so. We haven't ever seen any. And Robin Williams has a, I think, which is a great line. He says, oh yes. Human tails. Humans don't have tails. They have big, big bottoms that they wear with bad shorts. They walk around going, hi Helen. <laughs> just a little shit. It's just, uh, yeah. I mean, the way that he does his stuff and he just brings in different little like pop culture stuff. And he's, he's just, he is so him is fantastic. Yeah. 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 He's definitely, definitely missed because then I go and also think about like the times where he dives into a role that, you know, you can separate the Robin Williams we know from, you know, his, the wild comedy things, things like um, One Hour Photo or Goodwill Hunting or yeah. Dead Poet Society or other stuff like that. Right. Which is such a far cry from, you know, the, the stand up guy that we know because this is very much the stand up eccentric kind of coked out kind of robin williams <laughs> right where he's just jumping from place to place to place yep and this is why i don't think parents should be giving their kids adderall and you know and ritalin to calm them down because we could be getting another robin williams down the line but because they're just medicating them to death everybody's just super chill and like nobody's funny anymore yes you need to give your kids coke <laughs> that, that's yeah there you go john that's some parenting advice uh, from the blast from our past podcast to you <laughs> if we win another robin williams that's what we're gonna need yeah yeah so uh krista is intrigued and she wants to see these humans and so she goes to i think they call it mount warning is just i guess the mountain that uh where batty kind of came from and she sees these trees with big spray painted x's on them uh, which we kind of can tell and we see that those are being marked for lumberjacks to to destroy and you know deforestation that mm-hmm. kind of thing you know the we see the different lumbering crew and we meet zach who is just kind of like this i don't know he's a city boy but he's also kind of like a what would you call it, like a surfery kind of guy too yeah he's kind of a surfer dude yeah, definitely. But he, they, they specifically call him out from the city. So I guess maybe, you know, he's from one of the Australian coast cities that uh, he's out there riding big waves and whatnot. He's just kind of here for the summer working or some shit like that. Uh, but he's out marking trees. Uh, he sees this really big, fat, unique tree, uh, which we recognize as the magic tree that's holding the nexus. Hexus. What'd I say? The Nexus? The Nexus? <laughs> <laughs> the Nexus of all reality. Uh, that's a Marvel place where it's also, that kind of, that's where uh, uh, Man-Thing lives. And he kind of like does help protect <laughs> stuff like that. Anyway, that doesn't have anything to do with anything. I'm sorry. <laughs> Hexus. That's where Hexus was trapped. Yeah. And he sees this little light flying around. He can't actually see the fairies, but he can see it. It looks like a little lightning bug, I guess, to him. This is obviously Krista that's flying around. I do find it interesting. Like, you can tell the fairies have to do a thing of magic 
to show either an animal or uh, a human their true form. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they just kind of like look like little bits of light. So, so that really every lightning bug that we've ever seen is probably a fairy that just haven't given us the magic to see who they are. Did you think about that, John? No, I did not. Well, that's 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 truth right there because I saw it in a movie once. That's why I have you to think about these things. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm here for. But he ends up catch, capturing Krista, and she kind of like fucks up her magic, and she you know shrinks him down to her size. Uh, instead of just like showing him, you know, how to see her, that kind of thing. Uh, at the same time, you know, he loses his Walkman, which we will get back and kind of see that later. At the same time, we see uh, a tree that he had previously marked as being cut. And so he was, you know, he almost got killed. And so that's why she like shrinked him. That's that's kind of where we are now. Right. Um, they almost all they almost get caught being killed by, you know, the tree shred- shredding machine, which he calls the leveler later. Uh, but Batty swoops in and saves the day. So. Yay, Batty. They're good. Yay, Batty. So I really like the interactions and like the relationship between Zack and Batty. Batty obviously hates Zack because he's human. Uh, and Zack is kind of a, maybe pompous isn't the right word, but he, uh, well, I mean, he's freaked out right now. I, I right. would be too <laughs> if I were him. Uh, but there's, I think, a fantastic interaction where uh, he kind of pulls out his pocket knife and he's trying to like, you know, kill the monster uh, right. that that is Batty. Uh, and Batty turns to him and he's like, I have but one claw, but beware. The delivery is fantastic, <laughs> obviously. Yeah, they just they just have a good rapport with each other, just be kind of going back and forth of, you know, I don't like you and oh my god, you're a giant bat that could eat me at any time. You you know, it's 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 funny. Right. At some point Zach's trying to to head out and he ends up hopping on this leaf and he kind of surfs down to the forest floor, uh, which I thought was kinda cheesy, but if I was that size, I would probably do silly shit like that all the time. <laughs> I definitely would be dead. Some animal would come kill me and eat me because I'd be like running around doing silly shit like that. <laughs> um, and then here we kind of get a, a weird scene. Another one of those musical scenes. He runs into this lizard, Goana, voiced by Tone Loke for sure. It's mm-hmm. obvious that, you yes. know, wild thing. Uh, Funky Cole Medina. Yes, Funky Cole Medina. Yeah, all that stuff. Who wants to eat Zach? And his, the entire song is about, you know, why he wants to eat him. If I'm gonna eat somebody, it might as well be you. Can you dig it? I can see you as a sandwich of a strange exotic stew. Uh, but, you know, Krista tells him that he's not allowed to eat him. And I will say I didn't really love that song. Right. It wasn't a really good number, in my opinion. Yeah. A f- another funny line that you get between Batty showing how he doesn't like Zach. Uh, Guana asks, what's a human? And Batty says, delicious and nutritious. Tastes just like chicken. That is probably the line I remember the most from this movie. Oh, yeah. You know what? Probably. I mean, that's the one I remember the most. I didn't remember a lot about this movie until I started watching it. And then all of the things that were sort of sparking nostalgia and sort mm-hmm. of deja vu for me... All of them were Robin Williams lines. Uh, yeah, yeah, I could see that. Those are really the only things that were, those only lines that were sparking nostalgic kickback for me. There were some visuals later when, when Hexus gets released that I started to remember as well, but mostly the li- the most of the lines I remembered came from Robin Williams. Absolutely, absolutely. So to try and get back to Zach's normal size, they decide to go see Maggi. And I, in one of the more humorous visual gags that I re- that I remember from the film is he extends his hands and says I'm Zach, and then instead of like 
grabbing it and shaking his hand, Krista says, I'm Krista, and just extends her hand in a similar fashion. I think it's funny, obviously, you know, if you don't, you're used yeah. to shaking hands, why would you just grab a hand and start shaking it? You know, you would do the same kind of greeting that he just did. Um, I, I definitely remember that visual. I, I, I still think that's pretty funny, honestly. I think it holds up. Yeah, I agree. But uh, we also then get a line that I never really noticed before. Uh, Batty refuses to fly the human there. He's like, fuck no, I hate humans. I'm not going to fly him. Uh, and he says, like, what? Uh-uh. Not this little mammal. Fly a human. I'd rather suck wax fruit. And I, <laughs> honestly, I never noticed that one before. It just, it's, it seems a little bit more adult than I, than I thought originally. Right. <laughs> just, it's just, uh, I thought that was interesting. So we cut to the big magical tree that Hexus is in. And uh, we see that the leveler, uh, the big machine, cuts it down and turns it into, you know, different slats of wood. I really do like the visual of the hexus kind of like seeping out of the wood. It's kind of oily. It's kind of goopy, just kind of like this brown thing. Uh, it moves very much, you know, how like like a symbiote did from like 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 uh, Venom yeah. from Marvel. That's kind of what I, what I feel like how it moves. But like the, the actual animation of the movement, I think is quite good. Yeah, I agree. This was the other thing that sort of sparked a, a nostalgic re- a reaction for me was seeing this thing crawl its way through the leveler, sort of basically sucking on the tailpipe. Yeah, yeah, it's feeding off of the smog and like the smoke and like you know the destructive carbon monoxide coming out of that out of that stuff. Yeah. But yeah, just the, the way it moves and it just kind of like flings itself forward. Uh, it works really, really well. Yeah. Krista is you know talking with. Zach, you know, trying to get some information about that machine that's cutting down the trees. And, you know, she says it's terrible. Uh, and Zach says, oh, it's only terrible if you live in a tree. And Krista comes back. I do live in a tree. <laughs> I thought I thought that was pretty good. Um, and Zach ends up kind of denying that he was associated with the machine uh, right. when Krista asks him about it, which, you know, that's definitely not a good call. I'm sure that's not going to come back to bite him in his ass later for lying to her. To no, her not face. at all. But no. And we get uh, a little scene where Zach shows her fire. He kind of like has a little book of matches uh, and they kind of have a, a weird little sexual tension thing going on <laughs> right now. You know, I, I honestly I didn't I didn't need that semi that romantic, which does come back later. But I didn't need this romantic storyline between Zach and the fairy Krista at all. Right. Honestly, what do you do? You, did you like it? Did you not like it? Do you have no comments on it? I tend to agree. I didn't need it. I didn't think it was. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't think they really went out of their way to make it too overt or obvious. Mm-hmm. They did need to form some kind of relationship because he, you know he he needs to have guilt over yes true. what he's doing. But I mean, they could yeah they could have just made it uh you know like a friendship of some kind yeah, yeah but yeah. they probably would have made this around 1990 89 90 before mm-hmm. it was released yeah. yeah so. That sort of mentality. Yeah, the, I, I, the idea I that a boy it. and a girl could just be friends was, you know, not something you <laughs> yeah. saw on film. Yeah, not not nearly as much as we do now. Not unless the boy was out of the girls' league. Yeah. Uh, so Hexus is around. He's growing from the exhaust on the machines. Then he kind of tricks the workers to, you know, he's telling them to send the machine to Ferngully, and he's like, "Oh fuck yeah, we're gonna go kill Ferngully because he's obviously still bitter that they trapped him." Uh, and then we get a song by Tim Curry. It's Toxic Love uh, with uh, Hexa singing it. Oil and grime Poison sludge Diesel clouds and noxious muck Slime beneath me moon Slime up above Ooh, you 
And I'll say, when I was younger, this was probably my least favorite song of the movie. But as I listen to it now, I actually have a real strong appreciation for Tim Curry, um, you know, more than I did as a kid. I'm a big fan of Rocky Horror uh, and just, you know, I like his style. I like his singing and his singing here is a lot in that style. Yeah. Toxic Love is actually probably now my favorite song of the entire album or the entire movie, uh, where probably when I was a kid, I probably like liked the baddie rap. And now I'm like, the baddie rap is stupid. Give me Toxic Love. That's right. what I want. <laughs> so, Yeah, I would agree with that, too. Yeah. It's just there's just something away the way that Tim Curry, you know, sings and just it, it works really well for this film. Yeah. We get a quick little scene of Pips and the other fairy guys. They find Zach's Walkman, uh, just kind of like a one-off scene that we're going to get that a little bit later. Uh, And then cut to Krista and Zach, who talk about, uh, you know, where he's from, that he's from a city. And cities just kind of baffle Krista. Uh, And then we get get a quick little song. It's very short, but it's just kind of like as the camera is panning across the forest. We get a song called Raining Like Magic by Raffi. It's raining like magic. It's falling like starlight. It's raining like magic. It's raining like the forest is breathing and ferns are rejoicing. The trees are all singing. Hey, it's raining life. Wow. Yeah, did you? I mean... I had no idea that it was a Raffi song until I looked it up and I was just like, oh, hell yes. Now this makes me even appreciate this movie even more because I loved Raffi as a kid, man. And I'm sure you did, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fucking, I like to eat, eat, eat. I was going to say, and Beninis, buddy. Eeples and Beninis. That was definitely my favorite of all the Raffi songs. I like to eat, 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 Eeples and Beninis. I like to eat, eat, eat. Eeples and Beninis And I like to eat, eat, eat Eeples and Beninis I like to eat, eat, eat So that's a cute little song. It is very, very quick, but you just kind of get you know, trying to trying to show that the forest is nice and it's magical and it's and it's sweet. Yeah. In the morning, Zach carves Krista's name into a tree. She's not happy about that. She's like, you know, can't you feel its sadness? Can't you feel its pain? Uh, <laughs> you know, on the tree. And he's like, well, he's like any other human. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? There's no nerve endings in a tree. They don't they don't feel pain. Right. But you know, she's one. She's much more one with nature than than he is or we are. Right. Uh, and so uh, we do get a funny line from Batty, uh, who says, Humans can't feel anything. They're numb from the brain down. <laughs> just that good, um, you know, kind of back and forth, and particularly just jabs that Batty keeps giving, you know, humans and Zach in particular. He's so good in this. Yeah, he really is. And though they end up making it to Fern Gully, we get another little, you know, good interaction between Batty and Zach, uh, where, one, I thought it was funny. I'd never noticed this before. Zach calls him Batman instead of batty <laughs> ah. and then two uh, they do the whole kind of like i'm positive back and forth kind of joke almost like abbott and costello kind of right nobody cares about me i do batman you sure i'm positive only fools are positive are you sure i'm positive i fell for it i should have known works well and uh the fairies of fern gully are obviously intrigued by zach um you know he's this weird little human guy um pips brings over zach's walkman uh, not knowing what it is, and Zach steps on the play button, and it plays a whole thing. You know, it has this music going. Uh, the song is is called "Land of a Thousand Dances" mm-hmm. uh, by a group called Guy. I need somebody to help me. Come on. 
which is like a New Jack City group, which I'd never really, I'd never heard of them before. But the song's fine. Well, uh, Land of a Thousand Dances is, is an old song from like the 60s. Yeah, yeah this is this was a cover version for right. sure. I don't know if you guys did it, but when I was in high school in marching band, we played this song all the time. Okay. Now this yeah, this wasn't in uh, my marching band's group. Oh, this is a classic marching band song. Okay. Yeah, I, I definitely recognized the song, but I didn't didn't recognize the version before. But, no, I didn't. Yeah. yeah. As uh, as Zach and Krista are playing in the water, uh, we get some more romantic interest stuff happening. Uh, Zach's kind of like you know learning about the beauty of the forest, you know, here in Fern Gully, uh, and then we get the worst song. This this is actually probably the I probably like the baddie rap better than this song. This is the worst song of the entire movie. We get uh, a song called "A Dream Worth Keeping" by Sheena Easton. Just reach out and touch me, no matter where you are. In a world where precious things are disappearing overnight Just keep my stuff inside I believe without the dream that's worth keeping For more than just And it was not good. You know, it just, <laughs> eh, I don't even know what to say. I just want to move. I'm just going to move on from it because it okay. sucked that bad. Okay. All right. Krista uh, heads out to find Maggie and Zach sees this, you know, the oil uh, in the water. So he kind of like knows, oh shit, the leveler's coming. You can tell it's not going to go, it's not going to be good for Fern Gully. And Krista ends up finding Maggie and they kind of go, really they go over the shittiness of humans <laughs> and that they're responsible <laughs> for the destruction of the forest. Uh, so now Krista confronts Zach about his lie and it comes to back to bite him in the ass. Pretty much, you know, tells Fern Gully that, you know, humans are going to ruin everything. He's kind of, now that he had to listen to that crappy Sheena Easton song too, and he's <laughs> been entranced by the beauty of the forest, he's like, oh, fuck, humans are the worst, man, and they're going to ruin everything. This leveler's coming, and it's going to screw up with you. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, Maggie gets all the fairies together, and they tell him that they've got to fight Hexus. She gives a whole little, like, single seed speech right here. Again, you know, like, all you need is a single seed to spark growth or whatever the fuck it was right um then maggie just kind of like fades into nature she just kind of dies i thought that was kind of strange you know she's, she's rather rallying the troops and getting everybody but i guess she's too old and you know couldn't do the fight and she kind of like is passing it on to krista and the other fairies mm-hmm. um and kind of krista has to do the lead but i don't know i just i kind of felt like you know oh this is in the time of need like you know and she's getting everybody ready and then she just kind of like and then she just kind of dies off yeah <laughs> i thought thought that was strange oh well but now we have Hexus and the big leveler. They've made it to Ferngully. It's just destroying trees. Uh, Zach wants to go and fight it. Uh, and so he's just kind of like, you know, he almost dies going going through it, trying to like battle this big machine. You know, he's, uh, I think, a funny gag or I always remember him kind of like pressed up against the glass, sliding down the glass on the leveler. Yeah. Shit like that. We get, you know, Hexus is just kind of like running amok, you know, freaking out the humans. Uh, and he's just kind of like becoming more and more powerful as well. And he's trying to, to get Fern Gully absolutely destroyed. Um, Batty ends up coming and saving Zack just as he's about to die. And, you know, he ends up flying him up to the machine, which, you know, yay, Batty and Zack have gotten past there whatever i think zach or batty now obviously trusts zach that he's not gonna be just a terrible human mm-hmm. then 
you know, all the, all the fairies are kind of like just hiding in this one tree. You know, they're not really fighting yet. They're just kind of like, oh shit, we're just going to hide in this one tree over here. And cause we don't know what else to do. Right. Luckily, right as he's about to do as as the leveler is just about to cut that tree down. Zach, you know, in his little form is able to turn the key and turn off the machine. Uh, and then at this point that pisses off Hexus. <laughs> and here we see Hexus. Now Hexus is starting to re. I guess I guess he's looking like his true form because he changes from like this smoke monstery kind of thing that I kind of remember. I remember him mostly from. Yeah. But he can, he kind of then turns into like this a little bit more solid, but a very like skeleton, very evil look to him. Yeah. And honestly, I thought he looked pretty badass at this moment. I was like, oh damn, I don't remember him looking this fucking badass, but he really does. Yeah. At this point, I actually watched this as I often do with my with my kids and we got to this point and my daughter kind of was like oh daddy that's creepy <laughs> like she all of a sudden she was freaked out by you know something that had been fine before but that it does it takes this really sort of weird dark looking turn yeah i mean as an adult i can see how it can, how it can scare a kid uh, as an adult i think he looks badass honestly yes. he looks pretty cool yeah uh, and I, I appreciate the animation of it as yeah as a kid i could definitely see where this would scare your daughter yeah uh so krista grabs like this one seed and she flies into Hexus's mouth and you know all you need is that one seed John a tree starts growing out of Hexus uh, and all the fairies kind of fly around and try to help the tree grow mm-hmm. and it kind of grows up and around him and around the the big machine the big leveler it's this big old massive tree just fucking growing out of him and it's kind of <laughs> kind of creepy that's kind of creepy looking though too like you're just seeing these little sprouts coming out of his forehead and everywhere right uh, just kind of trapping him in there really killing him Krista ends up being okay. She emerges from the flower, from a flower that was in the tree, and that's kind of the end of that little bit of a storyline. But Zach, Zach kind of decides he needs to go back to humankind. You know, he needs to not stay uh, and bang a fairy and have little half-human, half-fairy children. <laughs> uh, instead, he wants to like go back and like you know join Greenpeace and save the whales and shit or something like that. Right. Uh, Krista returns him to his normal size. You know, he plants a. A little seed that Krista helps it grow, and it, we just see the very uh, beauty in nature. You know, kind of a shot that we just see beautiful, the beautiful nature that is Australian rainforest or the Australian <laughs> forest. And we just get a little dedication. You know, it says, for our children and our children's children is uh, just a little text that comes in right afterwards, which is nice. You know, it's definitely a little saying about, uh, you know, t- for the environment. You know, you have to, uh, to help your children, you know, to help the earth and to help. It's not just for you or the earth. It's for your children and for your, their future generations and etc. cetera, uh, if we are better to the earth right now. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, as the credits roll, um, we have an Elton John song. Uh, it's called Some Other World. not a bad song it's no. enjoyable enough it's going yeah. it's going on as the credits go and it's yeah it's fine it was a pretty standard 80s elton john song uh we kind of rolled through that pretty quick but it's a short enough movie it's only like a 70 something minute movie it went by pretty fast actually yeah uh I'll, I'll start off with my comments sure honestly i quite enjoyed the film 
Uh, I think it's it's pretty cute. I really do appreciate the message. You know, I like Earth. I want the Earth to keep going around and being nice. I do want to say I think the animation in particular is very solid and it does hold up. So I think it looks good. I think some of the stuff looks unique enough. I love the movement of Hexus early on. I, I love the badass look of him later. But like in general, I think... The animation uh, is is very strong in this film. Uh, and then obviously the voice acting is quite good, specifically from Robin Williams and Tim Curry. I, I thought there was going to be more Hexus in the film. Like I kind of yeah. forgot. He didn't, he's not really, it's not all that much of him. Yeah. I kind of wanted more, but uh, you know, I really did enjoy it. And I'm kind of, I'm curious and why, why I wanna, wanted to go first, because I'm particularly curious since you watched this with your kids. I don't know if they've seen it before. How would a kid nowadays think this movie is do they think it's fun do they think it's cute do they like the storyline um because you know we definitely liked this film i know i liked this film when i was a kid mm-hmm. and so i'm kind of curious about you know how did your kids think about fern gully well as far as my own feelings my own feelings largely mirror yours mm-hmm. um, i actually really did enjoy going back because i hadn't seen this movie in probably decades and you know i could have done without some of the songs yeah <laughs> the hexa song was okay it was kind of weird the uh, the lizard song like comes and goes and then we never see the lizard again i know i'm like well what like what was the whole point of that whole lizard like <laughs> i didn't need right him. exactly but uh this the story was great robin williams is is awesome in this uh tim curry is awesome in this and like i said it largely my thoughts mirror yours as expected i think my son kind of just Eh, he watched it. Um, I got my daughter. I got my daughter ready for this. I said we're gonna watch a movie tonight. She's like, "What is it?" I said, "It's about fairies." She's like, "I'm in." Uh-huh. So, so yeah, she was down. She definitely, I think, attached to it more than my son did, which I expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think she actually really did enjoy it. I'm glad your daughter enjoyed it. Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm very happy to watch it. And I highly recommend it. You know, anybody who was a fan of this film when you were younger, I do think it's probably worth your time. It's only like seventy something minutes. Yeah, and you get some good voice acting, good animation, uh, and I think you know if you have a kid who's probably maybe a little bit you know younger and likes nature, if they like nature, they might really appreciate it. So yeah, I'd say definitely go out there uh, and watch some Fern Gully. Now we're going to review Captain Planet and the Planeteers. This show went from 1990 to 1996. It had a total of 113 episodes. I had no idea that this show ran that long. Mm Mm-hmm. Honestly, I just I, I just didn't remember at all that it was uh, until '96. So it, it had a pretty damn good run. Yeah, yeah. I think it had it had six seasons. Uh, the show itself was uh, created by Ted Turner, the media mogul. Mm-hmm. So I think it's I think it probably aired on TBS. Um, with obviously, if it was owned by Ted Turner, that it pretty much had to be on TBS. Right. He didn't put it on CNN. <laughs> I don't think so. That's kind of what I remember it from, I think, was TBS anyway. And uh, the show was in part developed by Tom Beers, who uh, you may not know the name Tom Beers, but he is like, um, really, he's, he's been a producer on a bunch of reality shows. Things like Storage Wars, 
uh, Deadliest Cash, Catch, Ice Road Truckers, Axemen, tons of others. But like he was a he's an executive producer. His name is like always like the first name credit or whatever at the end of those shows. So that's why I saw. It. I used to love Storage Wars. I'm not gonna lie. I know it's cheesy. I know they probably plant uh, shit in those uh, storage containers for them to <laughs> to buy. But I don't know what it is about Storage Wars. I just I just loved it. Mm. <laughs> so so I saw the Tom Beers name uh, on IMDb. I was like, oh shit, Tom Beers. Uh, <laughs> So uh, this show was about a quintet of teenagers. Quintet means five uh, teenagers who are given rings and they work together uh, to encourage environmentally responsible behavior and they can summon uh, a superhero, Captain Planet, to deal with ecological disasters. The show stars David Coburn as our Captain Planet. I am your powers combined and magnified. For now, I'll handle Greedly and the Spill. Uh, which I didn't really recognize anything that David Coburn has done. He's done plenty of voice acting stuff, just nothing that I really recognized him from. I did find it interesting in his credits. Apparently there was a New Kids on the Block cartoon, a very short-lived, like, you know, 13-episode, half-season, one-time show right. that didn't get picked up, obviously. He played Donnie Wahlberg. And oh. I thought that was pretty interesting. <laughs> interesting. In the new Kids on the Block cartoon, yeah. Step off, John. We owe this to Joe. LeVar Burton was Kwame. Truly, with a ring such as this, I will be able to plant many trees. Kwame was uh, from Ghana, and he had the power of Earth. And he was kind of like, he was kind of the leader of the group, I would say. Yeah. Uh, LeVar Burton, we've talked about multiple times, obviously from reading Rainbow is probably, to me, that's the first thing I think of. But maybe for a lot of other people, they think Jordy LaForge right. from Star Trek The Next Generation. So we, we love us some LeVar Burton on this show. Oh, man. <laughs> that's for sure. Joey Dedio, Dedio was the voice of Wheeler, who was the, the fiery guy. Hey, what's my element? Water? Uh, fire? Yeah! I say fiery because he was kind of annoying. He <laughs> had the power of fire, and he was from New York. I honestly, I'm just gonna straight up say from watching rewatching the show, he was my least favorite character. He was so annoying. Yeah, I absolutely did not like him as a character. He was just, I just wanted him to shut up the entire. Time. I was just like, <laughs> I was like, fuck you, Wheeler. God, you're annoying. Which uh, similarly, uh, you know, he had uh, plenty of credits, but the thing that I mean, I never really recognized him from most of the stuff. But he did the voice. There was a short-lived cartoon version of Karate Kid, I think very similarly to the Nukas on the Block, only ran for like 13 seasons. Yep. He did the voice of Danny LaRusso on that. Okay. Right. Sorry, Mr. Miyagi. Linka, who is our Ruski, uh, was, uh, well, actually wasn't even Russia. She was from the Soviet Union. She was voiced by Kath Suchi. It is horrible. The whole coastline is being destroyed. Kath Suchi, we probably have talked about her before, but she is a definite big voice actress uh she did um uh, a Kubert uh, Farnsworth on Futurama oh. that's it Brett you've compressed our lunches to a singularity for the last time salt him Dwight she did both both Phil and Lil DeVille in Rugrats me and Lil make yummy pies all the time yeah. Uh, and she's done Kanga in the Winnie the Pooh shows like for a lot of times as well <laughs> why you must be piglet I'm Kanga, and somewhere around here is Baby Roo. She's she's definitely a, a strong voice actress, but um, but Linka, well, yeah, so was originally from the Soviet Union, and in, apparently in later episodes, because it started in 1990, when you know. 
the USSR was still around. Apparently, they switched it to her being from Eastern Europe, apparently, after, like, the communist regime collapsed. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. So, But I definitely watched... Uh, the the first one the first episode and she was like i'm from soviet union and she didn't say it like that but you know what I mean? right. she's like hello my name is linka i'm from soviet union you want vodka like that's pretty much exactly what she sounded like vodka vodka uh and she had the power of wind and then janice kawaii i think pronouncing that correctly she played uh gi okay here goes Janice has done a lot of video games and anime. Um, none that I really knew, but you know, I've heard of this anime called Bleach, which is apparently supposed to be a pretty damn good anime. She did a voice on that one, on the English version, okay. uh, but I haven't really you know recognized her or anything else. But um, Guy hails from Asia and controls the power of water. Okay. Next, we have Mati, who uh, is... Uh, our little guy from Brazil, from the Amazon rainforest, who has the power of heart, <laughs> just, just <laughs> the funniest of them. Uh, that was voiced by Scott Menville. I already know. Mine is heart. Who Scott Menville has been, uh, Rob- he was Robin in the Teen Titans and the Teen Titans Go and the Go to the Movies. Yep. Cut the baloney! The next time you forget who your leader is, you're going to have major problems. Got it? Uh, that's kind of like his biggest thing recently. But uh, yeah, it's always funny. I mean, you always get, you know, uh, I feel like people make fun of Mati, the power of heart. <laughs> but uh, in, in the show, they even call out like, you know, now hearts, this is the most important power of all of them, you know, because it's pretty much compassion for uh, the environment is what you're what he's giving. Um, so, yeah, so we have, obviously, it's those five elements. It's uh, earth, fire, water, wind, and heart. And then their powers combined, you will get Captain Planet. I do want to call out some other big name actors and actresses who have been on the show. And I've got a big ass list here, John. I had okay. no idea so many big names had lent their voices to this show. And a lot of them actually had lent their voice for multiple episodes. And it wasn't just like a one-off. Some of them were. But uh, we had Whoopi Goldberg. She was the voice of Gaia. Uh, Ed Asner was, I think, Hogley or whatever that the main villain's name. Tim Curry was a villain in the show for a little bit. Okay. Uh, we had uh, Mary Kay Bergman, who's a very strong voice actress. Yeah. We've had uh, John Ratzenberger did a voice. Meg Ryan, Margot Kidder, James Coburn. That's a, he's like an old school actor. Yeah. Uh, Martin Sheen, Dean Stockwell, Maurice LaMarche. Jim Cummings, Jeff Goldblum, Charlie Adler, who's another great voice actor, Sting, Louis Gossett Jr., Malcolm McDowell, Phil Hartman, Fred Savage, Elizabeth Taylor, Neil Patrick Harris, Alan Oppenheimer, Phyllis Diller, Casey Kasem, um, Townsend Coleman, who's another really good voice actor, Helen Hunt, and then, of course, Frank Welker uh, was the voice of Suchi, the little monkey, yeah. uh, Monty's monkey. So <laughs> you got it. we got our boy Frank, Frankie Welker in here. That made yeah. me happy. Uh, but that's just, that is a ridiculous amount of acting and voice talent that have been a part of this show at yeah. some point. And some who I never would have expected to have done a voiceover, like Meg Ryan. Who would yeah, expect exactly. her to do a voiceover <laughs> yeah, gig? Yeah, 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 exa- yeah, that was definitely a surprise. Okay, all right, Meg, <laughs> Meg Ryan. So the animation was okay, Yeah, in my opinion. Not great. Not great. It doesn't really hold up. Uh, it's not as strong as like Fern Gully. Um, it's not as strong as some other... 90s cartoons in my opinion either it was yeah it was just okay mm-hmm. you know we get some some famous lines in the film or in the show uh you know like the obviously every time you get you know by your powers combined i'm captain planet that he would say and then also every time he was done or anytime he like finished saying a lesson he'd always say 
the power is yours. <laughs> that that kind of shit stuck with me. Yeah. I just remember that stuff so well. It's so fun. Uh, so there were kind of two, not really, there was an opening and an outro. So the opening kind of theme song wasn't really as much of a theme song. It was more of just like kind of narration. And I th- honestly, I think it was LeVar Burton who did the narration at the beginning. It sounded like him anyway. Our world is in peril. Gaia, the spirit of the earth, can no longer stand the terrible destruction plaguing our planet. She sends five magic rings to five special young people. Watch from Africa with the power of earth. From North America, Leela with the power of fire. From the Soviet Union, Minka with the power of wind. From Asia, Yi with the power of water. And from South America, Mati with the power of heart. When the five powers combine, they summon Earth's greatest champion, Captain Planet. That's kind of what you get. You just kind of get some narration starting at the at the top. But what everybody remembers, of course, is the outro theme song. Mm-hmm. Wind, water, hot, go, planet. By your powers combined, I am Captain Planet. Captain Planet, he's a hero. Gonna take pollution down to zero. He's our powers magnified, and he's fighting. That was fucking awesome. Just <laughs> absolutely. You know, you, you can go to a, like a Comic-Con and start singing uh, the Captain Planet theme song, and then everybody's going to join in. Right. Because he's a hero, going to take pollution down to zero. Looting and polluting is not the way. And something scabadoo. I don't remember the rest. But <laughs> it's, a, it's just it's a hell of a theme song. It's, it's just a hell of a song. I think it's so catchy. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely a fan of uh, the Captain Planet theme song. Yeah. So it was all right. Eh? What? That's it? I, yeah. Honestly, I was kind of underwhelmed going back and watching it. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, damn. The, the yeah, I was kind of underwhelmed by the show. I mean, vocal talents was was great, but the I don't know, it was che- kind of cheesy writing and the animation kind of yeah. ruined a lot of it for me. And it I, was bad. It was bad animation. Yeah. And uh, the, I mean, this I think the song's okay. I think the song's the best part, like by <laughs> far. I mean, the show. The show. I agree with you. The show isn't anything special. Um, I, I like the environmental aspect. You uh-huh. know, I think there's good lessons. You get like very much similar to like He-Man and GI Joe. You know, one of the kids, or maybe even Captain Planet himself, at the end will give you like a little environmental lesson that kind of tied in right. to the episode itself. Uh, and typically, you'd end with "The power is yours." Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, yeah. The show, it's not, it's not one I'll be watching again anytime soon. 
Yeah. I remember liking it when I was a kid. I don't remember loving it, but I remember liking it. But having gone back, I don't know, maybe I'm just a jaded old man now. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, <laughs> Maybe. That, that can't be true because I liked Ferngully. Yeah, okay. But yeah, I don't know. I watched two episodes and I was like, I, I'm done. I didn't need to see any more. I did too. I only watched two. I didn't really feel I needed to watch any more. I, I think it'd be good for kids. I still think it's a cute show for kids. And I think over, uh, overall, you know, a lot of the themes still hold up. Right. I think that's good. Did you happen to show this to your kids at all? No. No. Yeah. Do you think they would be interested? Maybe. I mean, I can tr- I can try. I just, it's, when I when I did watch it, I was, it was usually after they had gone to bed, after my wife had gone to bed. So I just kind of was watching it by, by myself really quickly. Just as you do with your old school 90s shows, just watching them in the dark alone, you know, <laughs> yep. sobbing with, with a beer. That's what I do. <laughs> I don't, I don't drink beer, so. No, yeah, I know you don't. I do. <laughs> but as I cry to myself. Watching gargoyles over and over again. How much? How much I loved that show. Uh, this was this was not as good as gargoyles. No, no, no. No, I, a lot of stuff was also dated. There, a lot of the music was dated in it too. Yeah, the whole Soviet Union thing was pretty dated. <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was okay. I agree. Nothing special. Um, but fuck, man, that I I adore that theme song. Okay. Uh, and yeah, I, I'm probably gonna probably go listen to it on repeat for a little while as I cry <laughs> with a beer. <laughs> I think uh, if we ever get around to doing the 90s cartoon theme songs, I think we figured out whose list this is going to appear on yeah. and whose list this is <laughs> yeah. not going to appear on. <laughs> Very true. This episode of the Blast From Our Past podcast is not brought to you by The Crying Indian. Some people have a deep, abiding respect for the natural beauty that was once this country. And some people don't. People start pollution. People can stop it. All right, and now we're going to do our casting portion of the show. As we mentioned at the top, we're going to be casting a live-action version of Fern Gully. As Adam mentioned, at first I was confused, like, why are we not doing Captain Planet? That seems much a much easier thing to cast. But then he pointed out, it's a lot of kids. We've not had a lot of uh, <laughs> luck at casting kids, and probably we just end up using a lot of the same kids we've used in the past anyway. Maybe we'll get down to it eventually. You know, it's something we can always come back to. You know, if we run out of ideas of what else <laughs> other things to cast, like right. we can just come back and redo some of the things that we didn't cast before. That's true. But I just, I whatever it is, I like the idea of like, I think Fern Gully could be uh, a somewhat effective. I mean, they're just turning, they're turning these damn cartoon movies into live action things like crazy. Now, granted, this wasn't a Disney movie, right? but this is, this is the thing to do. And I think it would be much more unique to have uh, a live action Fern Gully be cast, um, you know, and then we can, we can come back to Captain, Captain Planet later. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, hell, why, why do we even need to do a casting of a new Captain Planet? Because did you ever see that Funny or Die skit with Don Cheadle? No, I haven't seen it. Oh, so where he played Captain Planet, but he's kind of like a, uh, I don't know, he's almost evil and he's just like turning humans into trees and just being <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, it's 
it's quite funny. It's on YouTube, uh, the Funnier Die Captain Planet one. I highly recommend that. But this is Fern Gully, and we're going to cast the shit out of it. <laughs> we're going to cast just a few of the characters. We're going to do Hexus, Krista, Pips, Zack, Batty, and Magi Luna. We didn't really need to do any of the, the smaller ones like the, the iguana and the, the lizard or any of the beetle guys or anything, so... Yeah, they're just like little cameo actors. You can just, you know, hell, get Cheech and Chong again for all I care. <laughs> yeah, Those exactly. Guys. Yeah, they're still alive. Yeah. some Miraculously, somehow they're still alive. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's it's, there's something in that weed, John. It's good for you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I would know. Yeah, oh, yeah. Big old, big old pothead over there. <laughs> yeah. Big, yes. Pothead. <laughs> Monotno, yeah. All right, so we'll start with uh, Magi Luna. She's sort of the, her and Pips are probably the least, would be the least used characters in all this. I will go ahead and jump in with mine. Uh, I ended up with uh, an actress who I haven't actually really seen. She's done small things, small TV things, uh, probably straight to video movies or, you know, TV movies lately. But she played a big part of my childhood in a little show called Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman. And I cast Jane Seymour. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot, actually. That's a that's a good call. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jane Seymour, I think, would fit pretty damn well. Uh, yeah, she's a good actress. Yeah, Dr. Quinn was a fun show, but uh, I like that. Yeah, that's good. You know, she was in her probably late 30s to early 40s when she did Dr. Quinn, maybe mid to late 30s. She's older now, but... She's she's kind of got a distinguished look. She's got that great British accent. I could I could see her in sort of like the the wise old woman role. Yeah, at this point in her career, absolutely. Sometimes it's hard for me to not think of her obviously as Dr. Quinn, but right. also as the uh, the overcharged, sexually active uh, woman in uh, Wedding Crashers. She was hilarious in that role as well. I actually have never seen Wedding Crashers. Oh, uh, okay. Well, you know what? It's very dated. It's a very early 2000s kind of film. She was a Bond girl, wasn't she? She was. She was in Live and Let Die. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, which I, I think she's, def- she's definitely a Bond, Bond girl kind of woman. Uh, I went a little bit older than Jane Seymour, um, and it's probably because the name Maggie... Uh, and also being a magic character has obviously led me to an absolutely fantastic actress who already killed it uh, as as a witch in uh, Harry Potter. Uh, she was Professor McGonagall. She was awesome. And I think kind of I, I like having an even older character because then I think it makes more sense when she just kind of like dies off later. Yeah. But I went with Maggie Smith. I think she's freaking awesome. She was really good in <laughs> Downton Abbey. She's killer as Professor McGonagall, I think she would be an awesome Maggi Luna. Uh, yeah, she would be great. I mean, you can never go any kind of role like that. You can never go wrong with Maggie Smith. No, no. So I like both of those. I do like mine a little bit more. Not gonna lie. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you think? She, do you think Maggie Smith would do something like this now? <sighs> probably not in her career. She honestly, she probably doesn't need it, and she's already like you know put all that time into Harry Potter. Like, why would she just do another role that's kind of like a half-baked version of Harry Potter that she killed. <laughs> and so why would she need to do that? Right. She probably wouldn't. And, you know, probably Jane Seymour would, would be the better choice today uh, and also would, would potentially do it. But whatever. Maggie, Maggie would do it for me. I would, yeah. you know what? Let me, let me call up Maggie, uh, me and Mags, Ma- my old magpie. I think she'll do it uh, if I ask her really sweetly. <laughs> magpie. Oh, uh, that's awesome. Speaking of awesome. Uh, it's going to be very hard to fill uh, a role that Robin Williams uh, played so well. So I'm, I'm interested to hear who you picked. So I want to hear your pick first on this. Yeah, this is definitely going to be tough. Uh, I think this is, the first, yeah, this is the first time we've recast a Robin Williams role. 
which you know we'll get to more down the line because you know maybe we'll recast Jumanji or uh, Mrs. Doubtfire or something. So you gotta have somebody who understands comedy. Uh, I think sticking with somebody who is good at stand-up would fit really, really well with this, particularly somebody who does like a lot of quick, funny stuff, Some, mm-hmm. someone who has different voices, that they do different voices in their comedy as well. Uh-huh. And so I went with a funny-ass comedian. I'm definitely a fan. My wife loves this guy as well, probably more than I do for sure. Um, <laughs> but he is absolutely hilarious. His nickname is Fluffy. I went with Gabriel Iglesias oh, yeah. as I think he would he would be different enough, but he's got funny little voices. He kind of goes to like that high pitched, silly kind of voice every now yeah. and then. Uh, it's just when he I think he's like you know making fun or you know doing his uh, his son Ralphie or that kind of shit. He just right. It's just he's funny. I think he would do a good job. I think he would you know you you, you can't replace Robin Williams right, but you can have someone else do it, and I think he would do a solid ass job. So that's, that's he was my choice. I think he would too, and he's been doing a lot of voice acting lately anyway. Mm-hmm. So I could totally see him in that. He was he was recently in uh, a movie called Wonder Park. I took my kids to see that one. It was okay. It was okay. It was, okay. I, it was listen. I, I some of these are some of these kids' movies are crapshoots. Like yeah, I will probably you know I every time a new one comes out, I'm probably gonna have to see it. So I'm like at least be semi entertaining. And this one was okay. Uh, Wonder Park was okay. I was I was going in fully expecting it just to be a shit show, but it wasn't. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Good. Did you see? Just because you you mentioned crapshoots, uh, I, I I never saw the movie. Uh, I, never, I think I saw bits and pieces, but I, I heard the emoji movie was just absolutely god awful. Did you end up having to see that one? Oh yeah, we saw it. We saw it when it came out. Yeah. Was it was it bad? I didn't think it was nearly as bad as people made it out to be. Okay. Yeah, because like critics and like everybody was just talking about how what a piece of crap it was. I just and I never really saw it, so I have no idea. It's not a Pixar film by any means. You know, it, and there's a lot of dumb jokes in it. But I mean, I was, you know, I was able to sit through it without vomiting up my popcorn. So okay, well that's good. <laughs> that would have been traumatic for your kids. There were some funny jokes for adults in there, so I really didn't think it was as horrible as people made it out to be. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even put it maybe in my top fifty animated films. But yeah. uh, I not as not as bad. listen. Okay, that's good. I had to sit through Alvin and the Chipmunks, the fucking Squeakle. And yeah. <laughs> That shit that was, made me want to tear my eyes and ears out. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, I will sit through the Emoji movie any day of the week before I have to sit through any of the live-action Alvin and the Chipmunks movies. Is uh, is Jason uh, Lee still in those movies? Are they still using him as uh, the main human? I he, can't even he, was in, he was in that one. Okay. I don't know if he's if he's still doing them. I don't know. I I refuse to go now. If if a new one comes out, my wife's going to have to take the hit for that because I just refuse to go. Yeah, all right. <laughs> it's just bad. Okay. All right. Well, uh, who was your baddie then, John? So yours is probably a more logical pick. I also did go with a comedian thinking in terms of who is, you know, you can't replace Robin Williams, but who was someone who was Robin Williams contemporary, who I think worked well with Robin Williams and maybe could maybe capture a little bit of the silliness, maybe not so much of the improvisation of it, but I think could still work well. You know, if we're talking live action, uh, honestly, I don't care if somebody else does motion capture for this. I, I really just wanted the voice. It's a CG character for sure. But I went with someone who is still funny. He doesn't so much do stand up anymore as he's done like one man shows and stuff like that. But I still think the guy's hilarious. Uh, I went with Billy Crystal. Oh, interesting. His stand up back in the day was absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah, that's a good way to put it. He did work really well with Robin Williams. 
I mean, if if you listen to him talk about when after Robin Williams died, those guys were close up until Robin died. That would be a good homage, honestly, using like one of his friends who knows him well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Billy Crystal's funny as shit, and I and just especially because he would just need to lend a voice to it. Right. I, I like that call, honestly. I mean, I think I almost I, went with Whoopi Goldberg as bad. Oh yeah, she could be funny. Yeah, she could probably be funny. But I think ultimately, I decided Billy Crystal would might be a better fit for Batty. You know who just kind of came to my mind as well, who I think would be good in a different, slightly different? Wanda Sykes. Yeah. She would be, I think, pretty damn funny as a Batty too. Wanda Sykes' uh, voice acting is great. For as dumb as the movies are, her granny sloth in the Ice Age movies is the only reason to watch those. Okay. Um, I think she <laughs> never, appe- never seen them. Uh, she appears in like the Continental Drift one, which is the one where Peter Dinklage plays the voice of the villain. Okay. But her character, the Granny Sloth, that's the only good reason to watch those those films, um, whichever one she appears in, because she's first of all her voice is very unique. You always pick it out, but she's funny as shit, man. Wanda Sykes is funny. I kind of miss seeing her on on more sort of live action-y things. She is quite good. So, um, yeah, she's also in, she's in quite a bit of Blackish as well, which I it's a show okay. I've mentioned. I'm a big yeah. fan. But yeah, okay. Well, those are all good choices. I like Billy Crystal. I like Gabriel Iglesias. I like Wanda Sykes. I like Whoopi Goldberg. Any of them <laughs> would be freaking awesome. <laughs> they would okay. all be good. Okay. Uh, okay. Let's let's do uh, Pips. Let's do Pips, Pips next. Yeah. He appears on the in the movie pretty much about as much as Maggie Luna does. Yeah, not too much. I <laughs> I focused in on maybe the look, maybe a little too much. Pips Pips, I mean, voice voiced by Christian Slater, but he so he's a fairy that you know he doesn't he doesn't have a shirt on and he he looked good. He kind of looked like Christian Slater uh and you know they I feel like they kind of maybe maybe that's just me imagining that because of the voices coming out. <laughs> In my head, I was like, oh, I gotta have someone who can handle some kind of comedy a little bit, uh, even though Pips is probably the most straight-laced character in the movie. Right. Kind of like, you know, skeptical kind of guy, uh, but someone who can look good with his shirt off. Uh, <laughs> okay. I, I went, <laughs> I know that sounds weird, uh, but I went with an actor who I've started to appreciate more and more just because he's done more of like comedic stuff and he's not just doing the douchey Disney life anymore yeah. uh, which he kind of pulled away from a while ago and he absolutely looks good without a shirt on <laughs> I went with Zac Efron as my pips that's a solid call and I think I actually did sort of kind of go by him I ended up picking someone else but I'm not surprised by that pick I think it's a, a very good pick I mean have you seen him without a shirt John <laughs> damn oh, yeah, that guy <laughs> yeah that guy looks yeah. good <laughs> Yeah, he's he's come a long way from uh, what was that High School Musical? Yeah, High School Musical. Yep. Yeah. So I I picked with someone who's probably a lot less lot less known. He was a, a reoccurring character on the TV show Glee, and um, I think he had a part in the movie Edge of Seventeen, which came out a few years ago. He's been done mostly smaller stuff, but he's kind of got the look. Oddly enough, I mean, he doesn't look exactly like Zac Efron, but he has sort of the same appeal as Zac Efron. Um, maybe not quite as built. But I think could work well. I mean, it's a, Pips is kind of a small role and it's a straight role, but I, I think he would work well with us. He's about, I don't know, I think he's probably about four or five years younger than Zac Efron. I actually went with an actor named Blake Jenner. Yeah, I'm looking at him right now. Uh, he definitely kind of has that that look. I think he could he could probably do it. I, I've never seen Glee and I never saw Edge of Seventeen, but uh, he definitely I think has a look that would work just fine. Mm-hmm. I don't know if his body is as good as Zac Efron's, but you know, whatever. probably not. But. Uh, Probably not. he does look like he's got a good he's got good shoulders. Yeah. Sorry, that sounds weird. That doesn't sound weird. He just he just looks like he's got built shoulders. So he might have he might have a body under that shirt, but it's not it's not Zach Efron hot, I'm just saying. <laughs> Probably not. But it might still work. Yeah, might still work. 
okay, so let me ask you. Do you want to... We got three left. We've got Zach, Hexus, and Krista. Which one do you want to save for last? Uh, probably Hexus. He's the, he's the most interesting, I think, of any okay. of them. All right, so let's go ahead and do Zach. And I'll jump in with mine. I will admit, uh, when we get to Krista, I kind of cast Krista a little younger, but she's a fairy, so I wanted her to look young. Yeah. Age really didn't have to factor in. Uh, so the person I went through with Zach was probably about a seven or eight years older than who I picked for Krista. But I, I don't, I, they look, he looks young enough. I don't think it really matters. It has to not look too different enough to be creepy. If that made any sense. Yes, exactly. And I, actually, I did very similar. My actress for Krista is definitely the youngest of like those three between Pips, right? Uh, Zach and Krista. Uh, my Krista was also. You know, I just kind of you wanted. I wanted that yeah young fairy feel. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I know Zach Efron can can play look young still. He's still got a kind of a baby face. But, yeah, uh, I did. The, so I, I, I casted very similarly to you. Okay. Oddly enough, actually, the guy I picked for Zach is about, pretty much the same age as the guy is Blake Jenner, who I picked for Pips. Mm-hmm. So I think that makes sense. I think Zach and Pips are should be around the same time. Yeah, uh, just the way that Zach acts in the in the movie made me think of this guy for the way he acts in the recent Star Wars movies, and I was like, oh man, he'd be a perfect fit. I went with John Boyega. I, yeah, I like that. I actually thought about John Boyega as well, uh, and I, I don't disagree. He is kind of like I don't know, doofusy in this uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Star Wars movies, <laughs> and Zach is definitely doofusy. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, he made he made my list, but I didn't go with him. But I do like that call, so okay. I think that's good. That's a good choice. Uh, I kind of wanted to keep like you know I don't know I guess like the, a California surfery kind of look to him. Okay. Uh, so funny enough. The f- I put the first two actors I put down for Pips. I also put down for Zach, and I was like, well, I could maybe. So I put Zach Efron. I was like, maybe, maybe Zach Efron would be a good Zach. Uh, and then I also had Taron Egerton as a potential one as well. Okay. But uh, I kind of wanted to go with like a continue a blonde kind of surfery doofusy look. I went with an actor. I think you might have used him. Maybe not too long ago. I can't remember. Maybe not. Uh, but uh, he was Havoc in uh, X-Men First Class and Apocalypse. Oh, okay. Now, right now, he's actually doing quite well as MacGyver on the the CBS, I think it's CBS show. And he just has like a surfery California look to me. And so I went with Lucas Till. Yeah, I can totally see that. Yeah, I do like John Boyega as a choice as well because I think he does kind of, he definitely does fit with that. I like that, uh, the tying into the Star Wars because I I, I 100% agree with the characters kind of being pretty similar there. Right. No, I can see that. Uh, I haven't actually watched the new MacGyver show, but it's, it keeps going. So it's, it's people, somebody's got to be watching it. It's getting old people. Old people love CBS. Old, they, <laughs> they, that's all they watch, man. <laughs> yes. I know this because sometimes I've caught our, our father actually watching that show. Oh, really? Yeah. That, that doesn't surprise. I could see him. He, he probably watched the old MacGyver back in the day. Yeah. I could totally see that too. I didn't, I never really did watch the old MacGyver show, even on reruns. Agreed. It wasn't, that wasn't really my jam. Uh, okay. So we got two left. Krista and Hexus. I'll go ahead and start with my Krista. I didn't necessarily need someone who was like a big star, I think, for this. Mm -hmm. So I went with someone who might be a little bit lesser known. Oddly enough, she's probably going to become a lot bigger because there's a movie coming out where she's the star of, and it's a very well-known character. And I'll be honest, I've seen the trailers. Now, when I heard they were making a live-action version of this movie, my first thought was, how in the hell are they going to do this? Looking at the trailers, I'm I'm not saying it's going to be a good movie, but I'm saying the way that they adapted it for a movie actually makes sense. And it 
could potentially, you know, lead to probably lead to a, a franchise of movies if it does well, if there's an audience for it. This girl is starring in a movie that's based on a cartoon, not one that I watched when I was a kid because it's a fairly, fairly recent one, mostly in the 2000s and early 2010s. But everyone knows about Dora the Explorer, and I went with the girl who's going to be playing her. Her name is Isabella Moner. Oh, they are. So they're making, they do have, I haven't seen the trailer for that. Oh man, I, whenever I think of like live action Dora, I think, it, honestly, I think it was either Funnery or Die or College Humor did like a uh, one with, I think it was the girl from Modern Family uh-huh. and it was funny as shit. <laughs> okay. She kind of has like a, I can see her doing a little like fairy look. She's got a little bit of a kind of a pixie look, even with the short hair for Dora. And it kind of reminded me a little bit of Krista in the, in the movie. So I think she could probably fit in well with that. I wonder, I wonder how they're going to do Swiper. Swiper, no swiping in that. <laughs> or if they'll, yeah, or if they'll just have like a fox like run across the, <laughs> or something. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, they, he, there's no swiper in the um, in the trailer that I could see. Okay. Um, there is a boots though. Oh, okay. Boots, yeah. Is that the monkey? The monkey that wears the boots? It's, yeah, it's the boot. It's the monkey that is like in her backpack or whatever. Yeah, it has like little rain boots on or some shit like that. Yeah. Okay. Cute. I think it's cool. Okay. I don't know uh, how the Dora movie is going to be, but if as long as that's good and if she's good, then she'll probably be pretty solid for uh, our Krista. And who did you go with? I went with a bigger name actress, and honestly, I was trying to think of some other people. Uh, we've cast her, I think, already three times, or at least I cast her once, <laughs> you cast her once, and then I think uh, I think a guest cast her once. Um, and I, she's she's really big right now. At least, at least from her in Spider-Man, she's a little bit sassier than the Krista, who's a little bit maybe more naive. So maybe you don't. I don't need to play it that way, but I do think Zendaya would bring, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she'd bring a, bring a big name to it, and I think she would play it well. Um, and I think she definitely could look, uh, you know, pixie fairy esque if yeah. needed. So I went. I went with Zendaya. No, that's a good pick. I I think I did look. I kind of like briefly looked at her, but I'd already used her, so I was like, hey, I'm, I'm trying to find yeah. new people. I know, me too. I, I feel like I should have found someone else, but whatever. I whatever. I think I think she's good, and I want to see her in more shit, so how about that? Fuck it. That's fine. All right, and uh, we'll leave off with our villain, Hexus, who, as you mentioned, didn't really appear too much uh, in the cartoon, but I, I bet they could probably make a bigger role out of it. They had to make a bigger deal out of it. I would love to see a you know more Hexus. You know, even get give him like a second song. Damn it, I don't care. Maybe not for you, but my live action movie is still a musical. Okay. So it's still a musical. So I know Zendaya can sing. I know Zac Efron can definitely sing. I have no idea if Lucas Till can sing, but you know we figure it out. Uh, and Zac doesn't really have a singing part anyway. Gabriel Iglesias could definitely rap, um, and I have no idea about. Maggie Smith, but whatever. Right. Um, so, so I wanted to make sure my Hexus could still sing. So, like, this was one of the first people I cast because uh, I, I wanted to make sure, like, Toxic Love was still in the movie. Okay. <laughs> Personally. Okay. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us who uh, who you picked then? So I went with a couple different people, and I had cast quite a few of these people before, and I just kind of wanted to recreate as much of the Tim Curry style as I could. Uh-huh. This guy can absolutely sing. Uh, we've seen that in Les Miserables. We've seen that in uh, Sweeney Todd, the Deep of our Fleet Street. He's obviously also with Tim Curry, kind of similar enough. I, I kind of get that Rocky Horror Picture vibe, and you get kind of get the um, gender-bending kind of stuff. And Sasha Baron Cohen would be a perfect version of that, and he can sing. So I think he could bring 
uh, kind of continue to bring that Tim Curry vibe to Hexus. So that's who I chose. Oh, interesting. That is not at all where I thought you were going with that. That's cool. Oh, okay. Where, who were you thinking I was that I was? Well, I don't. Go? You said you said Les Mis, so my first thought was like I actually don't. I don't even think he was in the movie, but I think he did do a Rus- stage. Russell Crowe. No. I, well, I did at first. I did think Russell Crowe. <laughs> Russell Crowe was in Les Mis, and he couldn't sing for shit. But then I thought. Uh, I, then I thought you were gonna go with um, Hugh Jackman. Oh yeah. Hugh Jackman made my list. Okay, because I don't think he wasn't in the movie, was he? But I know he did. Uh, I know uh, he did. He's his... the greatest showman. Oh, I know uh, that. And he's done. But I think he's he... done opera and stuff. I think I think he was in Le Mis. I'm pretty sure. Okay, if I can't remember if he was in the movie or not, I do. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, he was. Yes, he was definitely. He is. I, okay. I'm just checking his IMDb. He was in Le Mis. Okay. Le Mis. Le Mis. He was Jean Valjean. That's who I thought you were going. Oh, that's right. Uh, that's who I thought you were going with at first. Uh, yeah, and I and still part of me thinks I should just to <laughs> go with someone different because I've already I've already cast Sasha Baron Cohen before, uh-huh. but I do think he would fit really well. Yeah, and he, he's I think he'd be a better villain than Hugh Jackman would be. No, I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. So, uh, uh, my version of this is definitely not a musical. <laughs> okay, the person I went with with Hexus again, thinking more of the voice than I was thinking of you know who would physically do yes. anything. I need someone with a good, disturbing voice who can play a good villain. And I tell you what, there's not much of a more evil villain than Scar from The Lion King. So I went with Jeremy Irons. Oh, Jeremy Irons can sing. Obviously, he did. He, uh, uh, you know, he sang. Scar had a song. Yes, <laughs> so I know. So if you wanted to, I know. If you wanted to turn it into a, a musical, you could. I could, but <laughs> I would rather not. Uh, Jer- Jeremy Irons is, I think, a really, really good call. I like that a lot, actually. He's got a great voice for it, and he can he obviously he can play menacing really, really well. So yeah, you, su- you surprised me with a couple of choices, like ones I don't, I wouldn't have thought of Billy Crystal or Jeremy Irons, but I like those choices actually quite a bit. So cool. Neither of them have the body that Zac Efron has, though. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so, but yeah, good, good castings all around. Yeah, very few of us do in the world have the body that yeah, Zac Efron has. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And whether we like him or not, we all wish we could look like him. Yes, yes, we do. All right, that was our casting for a Fern Gully live-action movie. Please join us next time for another Top 10 episode. John and I go back to our gaming roots and give you our Top 10 original Nintendo Entertainment System games. If you have any suggestions for movies or TV shows from your childhood, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time.